This is a podcast from Minute Media. This is a CW Spiral, a podcast run by two Barchies and a Bughead. We're your hosts, Sabrina Reed, Michael Patterson, and Reed Gowden. Bringing you history about the network, the latest news, and in-depth spoiler-filled discussions of some of our favorite shows on the CW. We're on. I'm so excited. Hi, y'all. Um, I feel like the um, Legally Blonde musical song. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, <laughs> to you guys. But, um, yeah. yes, welcome to our live show. Of course, it's CW Upfront, which means that we are going to be bringing you news, a little bit of spice, and, of course, talking about the direction the CW is heading in. So let's start with the schedule which is giving regular broadcast network. It's sure given something. <laughs> I'm not fond of it necessarily, um, but to give you guys a rundown, so All-American and All-American Homecoming are staying put. So it's because it's Monday, it's All-American Mondays. Then on Tuesdays, we're going without a superhero show for the first time and I don't know how many years but I guess they're giving us the Winchester spinoff. So that'll bring in a supernatural crowd. And then we'll have professionals, which is like adjacently Smallville or superhero, if you count, like because of Tom Welling in the lead. Then on Wednesday, we get Super Wednesdays. So we'll have Stargirl, who's premiering in a fall time slot, which, my God, I don't know about you, but that feels odd to me. Very much so. I don't like that it's, we have to wait that long. It's a summer show. It's always been a summer show. Keep it as a summer show. I know. I mean, I do, it, it's not quite making me scared for it, but I'm not liking the time slot. Um, then there's Kung Fu at nine after Star Girl, and Thursdays, Walker Thursdays, yay! <laughs> <laughs> um, we're gonna bump past Walker. If you've listened to our podcast, you know that's not a show for us. However, we will be there for Cat McNamara and Walker Independence. Cowboy hats, cowboy shoes. Placing up the boots, we're ready. Yes, we are. We're 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 ready. I mean, cautiously. Cautiously, I'm excited. Like if you hear like like uh, about this about about the show, it's just you know we lost a lot of our favorite shows to make room for these pilots, and we're excited for the for the years, but we're um, a little nervous about them. And then Fridays. This is when non-scripted television is going to be taking over everything. Um, Penn and Teller will be on. Whose line is it anyway? Saturdays is a new show. Uh, there'll be Magic with the Stars, which is going to be with Chris Angel. Then you have World's Funniest Animals. And on Sunday, we'll have Family Law and Coroner. So the schedule is not looking like it usually looks. Um, and it's weird. No, I told you guys earlier when I was looking at it, it made me kind of emotional because I was like, where are all my buddies? Because this is like the first year without, even though I didn't watch all of those shows, this is the first year without all of the standbys on the schedule. And I was kind of like, this is really new and different. I don't know how I feel about it. (laughs) Yeah, it definitely, it looks kind of like, as we've mentioned already, like a normal networks kind of schedule. The CW is known for a genre kind of shows and not as many of them are there. I know we can't Stargirl as Arrow versus Adjacent, but this is the first time I think since the CW went Arrow, the Arrowverse route that we don't actually have a mainstream Arrowverse show on. I know they will be back mid-season, but you can already see the absence of Batwoman and Legends of Tomorrow on that schedule. Which 
before we move forward, hashtag save Batwoman, hashtag save Legends of Tomorrow. Um, that is something we're still going to keep pushing for. We'll talk more about that later. Um, but as far as shows being held for the midseason, which you would have thought Stargirl would have been, like Cody said, he feels the same about it should have been summer, stay in summer. Um, but what else has been moved to the midseason? There's Riverdale, season seven, which, you know, final season, which I'm actually like, yay, I'm, I'm good with it. I'm not good with the, the possible 22 episode count, though. I feel like we need to wrap it up. Yeah, we're very much on record of saying that season seven should be the final season and it should be 10 to 13 episodes. <laughs> We've got one of our wishes. Um, but it'll still be bittersweet to see it go. It's weird not seeing it on the fall schedule. I'll say that. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it definitely felt like kind of one of those familiar CW properties. And again, looking at the schedule, there aren't an awful lot of familiar properties on that. So, yeah, I, I'm glad we're finally, hopefully Riverdale will get to go out as big and bold as it deserves. But I hope it's not over bloated because we don't need, I don't think we ever needed 22 episodes of Riverdale. Season one was nice and condensed, <laughs> but we got multiple seasons of 22 episodes. And we might get one more. But I mean, if it goes out in style, that's what Riverdale does best. I mean, that's the plan. That's why the CEO, Mark Pedowitz, said they wanted to give um, Roberto enough room to complete the story. And he's happy with um, how they want to. I guess we. I'm not sure if they know how they're going to finish it, but he's happy with the episode count or where they're trying to get the episode count to. I hope so, that it'll be a grand send off. Um, not feeling season six besides the Barchi and even the Barchi could be improved. Um, Mm -hmm. Supernatural powers should have been the thing that had us like roaring about this show, like every Sunday, just lighting up Twitter with Twitter with excitement. And instead we fell behind (laughs) so badly. (laughs) We had to put it in timeout. It's okay. It is. It is. But I always feel so bad. I didn't feel bad this season for Riverdale though, for putting it in timeout. Um, and then we have Nancy Drew season four coming in the mid season, which was a bit of a surprise. I was excited to be coming a part of the Drew crew in the fall and talking mm-hmm. about it on the podcast in the fall, but that's not the case anymore. We're going to have to wait till 2023. I have to say it kind of makes sense based on some alleged tea that we got yesterday, oh, yeah. the quick post and delete from the Tom Swift writer's room. I don't want to get them in trouble again. <laughs> But there's rumors of a season two pickup for Tom Swift, so that kind of makes sense if they're holding Nancy for 2023 to line up, like put the besties together, the Nancy verse on one night. That's true, because they are doing that in the fall schedule with the other franchise shows. Um, they are all taking a, a night over. So perhaps Nancy verse, I don't know where to land, but we'll be calling one of the days completely over for Nancy verse, which is going to be fun. I've seen Tom Swift, I can't quite talk about it but i will say it's amazing and you're all gonna get you live <laughs> and then the flash season nine michael i feel bad that the flash is not going to be in the fall because that's a really real really weird decision to hold it until mid-season however um depending on how things go with candace Patton and depending on how season eight ends i might need the break to cool off <laughs> Yeah, your opinion might change depending on what happens with her. Um, the Flash was kind of a mid-season show this year because they don't they only did the five-part Armageddon last a special at the end of last year, and then the bulk of the season kicked off this year. 
if that was a preview of what's to come, I mean, now we can get used to it because it will be so weird. I say it was weird seeing the absence of Batwoman at Legends. I mean, and I know at least The Flash will come back, but it was very weird not seeing one of those staple shows like Arrow or The Flash on uh, a fall schedule because we've just gotten accustomed to like The Flash taking up that like primary role. It was the network's biggest show for like seven of its eight years. So it feels strange not seeing it there at the beginning. But I think this could be good for The Flash. I hope it need. I, we don't know if it's going to be the final season yet. We just, we don't, apparently neither to the network. But I feel like it could do with a little bit of time to get a solid, coherent ninth season. And there are rumours that it'll be a shorter one. So it makes sense to hold it to mid-season. It's very weird. I'm, I'm not going to lie. It feels weird to say the CW is launching a new era and not using one of its biggest launching pads to do that. But maybe this will work. Maybe the mid-season, mid-season schedule will be stronger than the uh, fall one, we'll say. But it does make sense to hold the Flash, even if it's a little strange. It does kind of hmm. worry me. Oh, why? Veteran show, mid-season. I don't know. Oh, okay. Good like point. Riverdale. But it also makes sense if they're holding Gotham Knights, if they're going to pair those together. Oh, that'd be an interesting pairing. Um... Or, but there is Superman and Lois. I don't know. I don't want those paired together, though. (laughs) I just because I feel like the fall off would be pretty harsh. Um, Like obviously, if Flash goes first, then people will stick around for Superman and Lois. But if Superman and Lois goes first, they might not stay for the Flash, and that is due to the quality of season eight. I know there are Flash fans who have loved the storytelling um, of season eight. I think a good portion of fans, though, do not. And it is not, it, a lot of it has to do with the way um, Iris West Allen has been written, or in this case, written out. Um, but it also has to do with like the overuse of supporting characters in main character plots. Um, but I'm going to table that because there are so many, like, there's so many soapboxes to, like, to get on. And that is one of them for me. If you've ever watched our Flash reviews, which you should. Uh, Michael and I are usually like, it would have been so much better had they, you know, focused on Barry and Iris. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm good with the mid-season drop. And Superman and Lois season three, we're used to Superman and Lois being in the mid-season. So that's like not a shocker. Um, hopefully uh, they get everything in the can so we don't get as many breaks as we did this season. Yeah, I'm happy about this one. Get it into production like ASAP. Get get it in the editing room and hit play in in January. <laughs> I'm in two minds because uh, the last couple or all of the seasons of Superman and Lois so far have been mid season drops, and yet both of them have struggled with hiatus problems. Will the same thing happen with season three? I don't know. And I know this is not related to the schedule, but we, or the fall schedule, but we do have. It's just been announced we have one more hiatus of Superman at Lois coming up. It will return on May thirty first when it's supposed to. It will air the following week, but it will take a one week break before returning to air the two final weekly episodes. That was not originally planned, but here we are, another break. What did we do to deserve this? Nothing. <laughs> We've been amazing. <laughs> like, I just. I cannot do any more of these breaks. It is like cutting into the momentum of the storytelling, which is sad because the storytelling is amazing. It is. And I feel like that's the thing that's holding it up because by the time we reach the finale, I don't think we'll have watched more than two episodes in a row in a 10 week period because of how many breaks the show's had to uh, take in between every returns for four episodes off, returns for two episodes off. And now it's going to return for two episodes. And yeah, it's only a one week break. But off the back of all these other bricks, it is hindering its momentum as it heads towards the finale. 
but okay, well, we're here regardless. Uh, waiting. <laughs> waiting for the stories to, you know, come back. Uh, and also, you know, waiting for Gotham Knights, which I get, that being a mid-season hold, I'm fine with as well. Um, I, I'm excited for the show. It's really hard to get excited about new superhero television, given the fact that Legends of Tomorrow and Batwoman were canceled, especially canceled in the way that they were canceled. But I do want to give Gotham Knights a chance, especially because it's a Black Girl Robin. So, you know, I'm tuning in. Like, it's happening. As superhero show fans, what was your guys' first impression of, like, the first look cast picture and, like, the art and everything? Like, the the logo? I approached it from two angles. On one, I was like, oh, this looks stylish and edgy. And then the other half of me was like, everyone's going to look at this and think, oh, this looks stylish and edgy. Will the substance (laughs) follow? Um, It does have a no flights, no tights look about it. And we've already done that with Gotham. We've already done that with various other shows on the CW uh, or even various other superhero shows. I don't know if that's what people need to stick in when on the night viewers are dropping so much. I think if you want to start a new era, bring a new DC property into the fray. That's genius. If you want to start a new era, pick the Bat family. That's genius. But let's make a Batman show about everything except Batman and his Bat family may not have the appeal to the wider audience because it's a CW show. An awful lot of people are automatically thinking, I'm not watching this. This is going to be a train wreck. What is this even happening? And I'm not sure that poster has done enough to uh, quell those worries they've had. But I keep an open mind. I like the look of it. I'm looking forward to it. There is a lot of DC stuff in this, even if the poster doesn't relay that. And yes, it looks stylish and edgy. So yes, I will be tuning <laughs> in. I liked it. I don't know. It was um, it was giving Batwoman to me. Mm-hmm. And so I was, uh, if I take my saltiness away, but first, hi, Crystal. Um, but if I take my saltiness away, um, it looks fine. You know, we're in an alley. Clearly it's gritty. It's grimy. It's dirty. Um, which is like par for the course for Gotham. Um, I will say, had I not already known who the cast were going to be and read the synopsis and, and got into uh, what Gotham Knights is going to bring, I don't know if the poster would have pulled me in. Um, it's yeah, just, I don't really know what it's about, but I mean, it looks good. Yeah, like it's just a bunch of like young adults slash teens walking through an alleyway with like and very stylish, very edgy. Um, mm-hmm. Budget was there, I guess. I just I don't know. I'm wanted I'll have to wait more. for like the official like promotional poster. True. I want to see some or, costumes though. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Definitely. I'm not going to judge. That's everyone's biggest mistake, I feel, with these shows. Everyone judges and then they're like, "Mm, this is not half bad. There wasn't as much excitement for Superman at Lois back in the day as there should have been because everyone felt it was like two or three years too late. But then look at the show we went and got. I do feel like we're moving towards higher quality programming on the CW. And so I'm I'm keeping an open mind for Gotham Knights. I hope it delivers because I'm not going to write it off too early. It's got potential and I hope even if the poster didn't necessarily highlight that, I hope it will come across in the final product. Same, same. Also, hello, Natalie. Um, Hi, Natalie. I... <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of quality, uh, <laughs> because the next point's about Riverdale. If season six has not finished, so we don't know what 
is going to be in our future for season seven. If we have 22 episodes and we don't conclude our Percival and Supernatural Power arc, like how would you feel about that? Do you need that to like finish in season six or do you, or, and have a new story? Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. If I see Percival in season seven, I'm going to be furious. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely not. I can't deal with it. No, no, no. Don't even put that in the universe. (laughs) Okay. I take it back. I take it back. I take it back. I know a lot. They've had a really bad habit of doing that lately of like the videotapes wasn't resolved. So like halfway through season five, I'm probably being dramatic about that, but like a lot of stuff is carried over into additional seasons. And I'm like, can we like, put a bow at the end of the season. And I just, I fear now that that's what's going to happen. It's like, this guy's going to show up in season seven. And I think 22 episodes, I'm just going to go on record. I'm sorry. This is my opinion. 22 episodes is a mistake. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, all of the above. I was just going to say the exact same thing. I know the previous, one of the previous seasons because of the pandemic, obviously some of the stories had to be carried over. Totally understandable. But I feel like while the other shows then wrapped up all of the stories in the current seasons, Riverdale have now allowed those se- stories now to spill over into the next season, which is why we're still talking about Archie saving the town, which is why uh, there's even though Hiram's gone, we now have the superpowers carried over from the previous season. It just felt like nothing was wrapped and up. And the yeah. trash bag killer, he's still... Exactly. That's the big one, exactly. Doing, yeah, he's had two weeks off, but he's still in play. <laughs> yeah, I, I t- t- really be- forgot he existed. And now here we are, here we are, uh, uh, expecting him to come back again. And Betty's just like, oh yeah, him. And then I'm like, I thought you were tracking him. I don't want him to be carried over into the final season because they've just killed all the momentum. And none of the stories are really carrying that. I wish that I hope they wrap it up completely and then come up with one kind of like contained story for the final season that could have been told in 13 episodes. <laughs> I feel exactly the same. I think that there are certain storylines that we, we keep circling back to every time it seems like they're done. Right. So um, with Jughead, we were done with Betty. We seem to be back to Betty. With um, Veronica, we were done with Archie. We seem to be back to Archie. With Betty, we weren't finished with the TBK storyline, but it had kind of faded enough that I'd forgotten about it. And so now that we circled back to it, and she's like, yeah, he made me, you know, dismember somebody. And I was like, oh, girl, um, we need to go back to therapy instead of hanging out in Archie's house. I, like, you need trauma therapy so bad. But And I'm sure as we move further into season six, that's going to get pushed to the wayside for the big battle that will potentially have a part two that will be in the 22 episodes or possible 22 episodes of season seven. Natalie, that is why we also agree. We cannot imagine a 22 episode (laughs) season because how with, I mean, they have a lot of material, but just because you have a lot of material doesn't mean you have enough story to tell it in. Mm-hmm. And I want us to start like tying these bows, like ending these stories, like get us to an end game that works for Riverdale. At this point, I'm even like, get us to an end game that works for Riverdale, even if it's regardless of ships. I don't even care if we're in limbo with some other ships. Just please finish the story. If I'm being honest to hear all of these talks of like financial things happening behind the scenes, I'm like, I can't believe they're allotting the budget for 22 episodes is that shady <laughs> it's shady, but it's uh, shade can also be true <laughs> and factual and it just seems like i'm sorry when it said that they got 186,000 views on one sunday night i was like 
I understand getting renewed for season seven because of um, it's Riverdale, but to get a 22 episode count potentially on top of that after getting that viewage, for what reason? For what reason? Maybe it's just like, yeah, it's going to be 22 episodes, wink, wink. And then they're going to be like, JK, we thought about it some more. And they're going to tell Roberto, like, it's 13, guy. It's 13. <laughs> we can do it. Yeah, I'm not a big believer in that. Why was this show canceled when that show went on? So I'm not going down that route. But I can see statistically that it didn't make an awful lot of sense to renew a show that was getting 100 and something thousand viewers and cancel a show that was getting 600 and something thousand viewers. That to me doesn't make sense. The show, the show does need to ride off into the sunset. Absolutely, <laughs> um, I feel like there, there, there were other ways around this, and if they're going to, re- I. I can't say that they shouldn't have renewed Legends of Tomorrow but, or that, and that they shouldn't renew Riverdale. It deserves the same respect and that it's been on for that long, so it deserves its own conclusion. But do we need a 22-episode right off into the sunset? No. No. Exactly. So, like, maybe we should, like, fingers crossed for, like, a, a smooth 17, 18, like, just to shave off some of the episodes. That's too uh, much. 15 it max. Is. Oh, wait, what if they gave him a 22 episode because we're doing another um, big event? Oh, I don't think we <laughs> The groan. It's <laughs> <laughs> a realistic possibility, but we don't need it. We don't want it. Why would they we do don't that? want it. It could be to do with the Netflix deal because it wasn't it this season, for some reason, Dynasty and Riverdale, both were the ones with the longest episode counts, even though they were some of the lower performers. So maybe it's mm-hmm. to do with that international deal. I don't know. But like, a bumper season of Riverdale, the ride off into the sunset, isn't that special when it's practically been doing bumper next seasons already and it, it, and it, and it isn't working? Uh, to use a recent example, Supergirl wrapped up with 20 episodes in season six and that it kind of felt rushed because they combined their stories for season six and season seven all together because they were supposed to do a seventh season and decided not to. It just didn't work because they were trying to do too much parts of it were great and that's my fear of Riverdale I feel like the show is consistently and continually and right now doing too much why do we need it to do too much in a final season just strip it back and condense it for 10 little episodes I was just thinking this the season's already held for 2023 if they do 22 episodes starting in maybe not even January the show will be on until at least next summer that's a long time. Make it is. But while they still can. I, okay. Uh, well, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're here. We're not like Diana who never watched, so she doesn't even have to deal with this. So, <laughs> Diana, jealousy, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Only because season six is so bad. Um, but, Michael, to piggyback of what you said about cutting like the episode down to sort of get it up, like better storytelling. I'm happy about the flash um, potentially going down. To, I mean, I know um, Grant negotiated 15 episodes, I believe. So if they keep the flash to 15 to 18 episodes, I could be very happy with that. And then I could see how they want to push forward for more seasons, even though I don't think we have the storytelling for that unless, you know, the kids take over. Yeah. And I think the shortening it actually 
could maybe allow it to breathe a little bit better. I think if we have a shorter night season, that makes a tent season more realistic and more believable. And I actually think I would want that because, again, the problem with the Flash is that it's so bloated at the moment so that by the time it reaches the finish line, it's stumbling there. I don't care if he's the fastest man alive. He is not reaching that finish line. (laughs) He is stumbling there. And... So it's like, do we need another season of this? Whereas, and I said that as probably my favourite show of all time was. And uh, I feel like if it had a shorter 15 episode season, it maybe would stick around for a little bit longer. I don't know. I'm in two minds about it. I think it's a good thing to have a shorter season and maybe that'll allow for a 10th. But we have to see how the night season goes first, don't we? We do, which is why I'm like, I was surprised by that news dropping because I was like, we're not even like through with season eight and it's dragon. And um, again, season nine for me is not guaranteed. Um, But like to even think about season nine and then the potential future for The Flash, unless, you know, the future of The Flash isn't that we'll get to season 10 or we'll get to season 10, but they plan to spin it off, Um, which would be interesting. Yeah, I could see them trying to do that to keep it around, but given the show's ratings are falling and people aren't happy with what they're doing, even though they still have a bulk of the original cast left, not sure it would be worth... Could, I mean, if they spin it, spin it off in a separate show, absolutely. But I, the days of those condensed spin-off Arrowverse shows may be in the past, so I don't think it would be wise to keep The Flash on with a new cast. It's like, say, we, we, we have a new Flash like Wally West or uh, Bart or Impulse, I don't think it would be wise to keep it on the main show of The Flash. Otherwise, we could have a once upon a time situation on our hand where we wrap the show up in six seasons, but renew it for a seventh that's totally different and then have to bring all the cast back for the final episode. Again, that's not necessary. We don't need that on The Flash. When Grant Gustin leaves the show, let the man leave the show and wrap it up. (laughs) And see, that would be respectful too. I mean, um, it's his show. Like, let him send it off into... The sunset. You know what? This would be an opportunity to bring up laying the flowers on the grave. Like that's what shows should do. Um, and that, of course, doesn't mean that this is the end of superhero television on the CW. Um, even with the Flash go um, sunsets, we still have Superman and Lois. And I'm gonna hope that Stargirl sticks around. And of course, Gotham Knights. I know uh, Mark Pedowitz said that the CW is still in the superhero business. Now, whether that means we're going to continue to have a connected universe um, is not clear, but DCTV on the CW is still existing. It's not moving to HBO Max. And to have a little salty note, I will say during the um, Warner Brothers Discovery Upfronts presentation, when they were like, HBO Max is the home of DCTV, like the streaming home of DCTV, I was like, it used to be the CW and Netflix, which you killed the Arrowverse. So perhaps let's not toot our horn so fast. Um, but, you know, just a little bit of bitterness. Yeah, it does feel like we're moving away from that era. And I don't I don't like it. I'm not going to lie about it. I don't like it. Um, we've, the schedule doesn't look right without some of those shows on it. The universe maybe did get too big, but it was always easy for fall and uh, summer or spring. You could per shows out on them, but they don't, clearly don't want to do that anymore. We have the super, summer superhero show, which has been filmed for ages. It's completed. Stargirl was supposed to air in the summer. It's now been moved to the fall. And that's the only one in the fall. And then they're going to front load the uh, spring schedule next year with all of the superhero shows. 
I don't know if that's a good idea. Maybe they're hoping that the spring will be when the things really kick off. It's it's very interesting time for the superhero genre on the CW. It does feel like Arrowverse 1.0 is done. It doesn't mean they won't do more Arrowverse shows in the future. We do still have Just As You on the back burner for probably next season. So hopefully that will get picked up. It just feels like the original era of the superhero shows are done but they'll keep, they have access to all DC properties if they want to make shows. And I do feel like if, if something does, if start fails in its first go, like Naomi did, I think they will cancel it and then move on to another DC property. It could create a bit of an overflow in a few, few years time if they're not focused on building a shared universe, but it does feel like the end of the Arrowverse and with shows like Batwoman and Legends of Tomorrow gone, I do feel a little bit less connected to it. And that's not a good thing. We do know that they are still very committed to spin-offs and prequels and whatnot. So I guess there's still hope and potentially some truth in him saying that they're staying in the superhero business. I guess we don't know what that means right now because it's mm-hmm. just like, what, three shows? So, but I guess there's always potential. There is. But since we're like talking about the future or the potential future of the CW. We still, I hate saying this, but we have to now talk about its past. Um, I know some fans were like, I hope during Upfronts, they will address uh, the cancellations. And they addressed the cancellations. I don't know if it's in the manner that fans hoped for, but some answers were given. Um, So I am just going to read a few quotes, y'all, from Mark Pedowitz. So. Here we go. Now he said um, the cancellations were based on um, some difficult financial and strategic decisions that needed to be made at every level. Um, And despite some rumors out there, it wasn't a content issue. So as an aside, I will say everybody who was laughing it up online, talking about it being about the quality of the shows, especially when they were talking about Legends of Tomorrow and Batwoman, y'all were incorrect. And we told y'all you were incorrect you can stay wrong in your wrongness. Um, (laughs) He also said um, that the reason why much of this news wasn't made clear at first, uh, like as we were rolling towards the finales is because they didn't know 100% what would happen. So they were trying to encourage all the producers to treat their finales as if it was going to be a series finale because they want to do the right thing by the show and the fans. But Mark Bedowitz also said that Ultimately, the producers were the stewards of their own creative vision, which means that if your show ended on a cliffhanger, that was not on the CW, but on the writers and the producers. So I feel really, really bad for the fans attached to the shows who um, didn't get a proper send off and goodbye for their show because uh, a game of chicken was played. And they lost. I think what these quotes reveal, while they may not be what we wanted to hear, they were certainly kind of what I was expecting to hear. Mm-hmm. He didn't try to make excuses, and it did kind of shed light on the fact that there are some pretty huge things going on behind the scenes that we really don't know, we're not in, con- in control of. And it's just a really weird time for not only the network, but also the two um former majority owners, Warner Brothers and CBS, who are providing the bulk, half and half of the content on the network. Those studios are also going through changes. So it's just like a lot of things that are out of the hands of the network 
and it it doesn't make it any easier to hear these explanations, but it's still just kind of like, oh, okay. And I know for a lot of fans, it's not going to be like the period at the end of that sentence. But I think for me, I'm just going to have to be like, okay, here we go. <laughs> Moving <laughs> forward. <laughs> I can understand uh, fans' uh, anger over it. And I can understand why there's such a confusion over it. To take the two examples, and I'm not just using them because they're my favourites, but Batwoman, for example, I hate that it's ended. But from a content and a storyline perspective, I'm happy with how it ended in that it wrapped up season three and they had that moment like, let's not bother celebrating. The city never sleeps. There's work to be done. And Batwoman had that triumphant walk to the Batcave. And then they had the little teaser at the end that could have set up a fourth season should it have been picked up. But it never really impacted the end of the previous story. So that felt like it got the wrap up of Nita. That just felt like that's how any Batman, Batwoman, Bat family member project should end. A, a nice conclusion, but with a teaser for more. Legends of Tomorrow, for example, on the other hand, had seven seasons worth of character development done, and it ended on probably the biggest cliffhanger in the show's history. Where do you go from that? You know what I mean? I, that that that's that example of playing chicken and losing. It just feels like what was the point in getting invested for seven years? So I do understand why the fans are so upset. I'm personally very upset as well. It doesn't make sense to cancel a show that old without any wrap up. Yeah, and the, the fact is they did want to wrap it up. I mean, Mark Pedowitz said that uh, they would have kept them. They would have final seasoned them the way that you're supposed to. It was just out of their hands. Um and if you've read the Hollywood Reporter article, you know, for some of the Warner Brothers shows, it was due to not wanting to pay a lease for the studio, like with a lot. Um, and again, that is out of everybody else's control. Like that means like, like you guys did so great with your campaigns, um, which is unfortunate like that they couldn't have made some of this news clear because it it was not about views. It was not about ratings. It was about financial decisions moving forward as uh, Warner Brothers cuts its budget thanks to this merger. Yeah, I just feel like an awful lot of it was even out of the CW's hands because we do know that those shows in particular were going to get another season and that would have made total sense. So if, if anything, it gives me the clarity and the like, uh, the happiness that you can, when someone says the CW didn't like those shows or that uh, the CW cancelled them from a content perspective because they weren't very good. We know that's not true. The network wanted to bring them back for another season. It's just kind of gotten to think that it was out of their control, even though they still had faith in them, because those show stories should have gotten a wrap up. And I know we were all heartbroken about our own shows. I know Reed will, ne- will never recover from the dynasty cancellation, <laughs> you know, Batwoman at me with Legends. But if if any of them ever had a pickup or a like follow up, I feel like Legends with a movie would be the easiest one to make happen. Not just because of the Warner Brothers connection, but just that show would work as like a wrap up movie. And considering we're talking about the same network that did Bebo Saves Christmas just last season, it just feels like a no brainer to do it at some point. So I just hope that before the book is fully closed on Legends of Tomorrow, that happens. I hope so. I'm going to say, okay, so y'all, we're entering into like the green table talk discussion right now. And that means that we need to be honest in real about the future of a lot of these CW shows that got canceled. I'm gonna speak from the eye perspective here. I think the show with the best shot of getting a, tenu- a continuation, and I'm not saying a season, I think if you want your show to move forward, 
uh, it's gonna have to come in a TV movie and that is Legends of Tomorrow, like Michael mentioned, uh, because of the public outcry, because of, of the cliffhanger, because there's already, already precedents for a Legends of Tomorrow-esque movie on the CW, even though it was animated and it was about Bebo, it still exists. Um, I think that is the CW show with the best path forward. Um, second would be Batwoman, but that is second by, um, they, there's a lot of distance between Legends of Tomorrow and Batwoman for me when it comes to whether or not the, the hashtag Save Batwoman movement is gonna be able to push forward and get a continuation of any kind. Again, movie is the best option. Uh, as Michael mentioned earlier, they did wrap season three in a way that while it's not satisfying for fans because they wanted a season four, it's satisfying when it comes to the storytelling. Now, I do wanna see Meg and Tandy as Catwoman. So, it, um, and they did tease that that would have happened in season four. So if, you know, we had a Batwoman movie, I'd be all for it. I was still hashtag say Batwoman my behind off to get a, um, a movie. I just think that a lot of the energy if you're, um, is gonna be pushed into Legends of Tomorrow and that's where it should be. I agree with you. I think these two shows have the best path forward. And I'm not, I don't want to confuse that with just because they were canceled together and before the rest of them. But I, I think just the kind of shows that they are and the kind of universe that they're a part of, there's doors to bring these characters back. There's obviously a lot more demand. Um, and even if they do come back, like it, probably not going to be this year probably not going to be next year but there's where there's a will there's a way like we're in the reboot revival era and like give it five years and maybe it happens give it two years maybe it happens but for the rest of them as much as we know now that the cw probably didn't want to cancel the bulk of its content like let's be honest like that's not they didn't wake up on thursday may 12th and we're like let's just cancel nine shows today um <laughs> I just don't think that to that end you cancel nine shows and then any of them have a chance of coming back. That's my perspective. I don't see that's so many shows for two, for two production companies to shop around. And I think that if any of them were going to have some sort of future on a different platform, that would have been, maybe not announced, but alluded to in the cancellations and especially today. But Mark Pedowitz didn't make any mention of WB or CBS shopping anything around. And as much as that stings for like fans of shows like Charmed and Dynasty, which probably will get their proper endings and as well as legacies. Um, I mean, it sucks, but like in for me, like, you guys know I love Dynasty. Sandy says not Dynasty. I agree with you. I'm so sad. But I was, like, ready. I was prepared every season because as much as I knew that that Netflix deal was saving the show and the international audience was saving the show, you still see the lowest rated show on the network and you see the tweets. are like, how is the show still on the air? And, like, every time they had a cast change, people were like, the show's ridiculous. Get it off the air. And it just felt like it was living on borrowed time, right? Like... It, that's just how it felt when the show was the lowest rated on the network. So I was thankful for every season and I was just like prepared. And I don't think I have it in me to try to bring it back. Like I will hold on to these next 11, 10 ish weeks 
and see what they have planned for the end. And as I said before, like, you never know, like five years, they could somehow come back for like some reason. Who knows? You never know. Who don't? And so I know I have seen some like fan campaigns for most of the shows. Um, and if you're trying to shop it like to a different network, if you're like adding the handles of like ABC, NBC, Fox, and else, you're not picking up those shows. One of the downsides of the CW's model is that there's no proven metric that these shows would do well on the other broadcast networks. I mean, that's the whole point of why they moved a lot of like they did not shop those shows to those networks. They put them on um, the CW because again, syndication farm. Right. So a lot of these shows wouldn't have survived elsewhere. Now, if you're trying to shop with them, like you're trying to get a streamer to pay attention. The reason why the Shape Legends of Tomorrow and Save That Woman campaigns are focusing on HBO Max is because that is likely where they'd be able to go. The uh, like the Netflix, the CW shows that go straight to Netflix after their season finales air, or in this case, series finales air. All canceled. Um, yeah. Yeah. They're, that they're tells us something. Well, they're canceled, and it's that, that they would not like another streamer's not going to pick them up. So even it's be- not going it, to. The basis of all of this is we're learning is money, and someone's not going to. They're like the money's not going to be made. Do you know what I mean? Does that make yeah. sense? Like the money's no longer going to be made. That's why these were canceled. That's why they're not probably going to be saved. I don't know. It's a rough thing. But Daniel does have a really great question, and you guys probably have better knowledge of it than I do. Okay, so Daniel's question is that if the CW gets sold and is no longer owned by Warner Brothers, do you guys know what that means for the DC film rights? Would the CW even still be able to do Arrowverse shows? So as far um, as the news that they've, they've given out is that Warner Brothers TV will just divest a majority ownership and that they will still be providing content to the CW, which is why Mark Pedowitz is secure in being able to continue to provide secure television under the DC label to the CW. Um, Warner Brothers doesn't want to completely divest from the company and neither does um, CBS. They're just going to be opening the doors for the other studios to start to create content for the CW. So I'm not in fear of like DC superhero television being removed from um, the CW. What about you, Michael? It's definitely interesting because I do feel like the DC films have always kind of tried to overshadow the Arrowverse and failed because the DC film world has not always worked out that well as far as building a shared universe goes and the Arrowverse did. We've seen in the past about how they weren't allowed to use the Suicide Squad. They had they just recently had to write John Constantine out of uh, Legends of Tomorrow because they want to make a HBO Max series set in the film universe. So it'll be interesting now that Warner Brothers is less of a say in the CW. Will that mean that the CW will get less DC shows? They will continue to get DC shows. But because DC is kind of doing a bit of a clear out, you saw how they just cancelled the Wonder Twins movie because of its budget. Will they be more picky in what they can and can't have? Like they were very lucky they were able to get a Naomi show a few years or last year. And that wasn't the biggest success. So I do think DC will be very cautious about letting CW have certain characters if they don't think it's going to be successful, which is why maybe it's right that they got Gotham Knights this season in particular. I think maybe maybe we could see bigger characters who aren't in the movies on, on the CW going forward so that they don't interfere. But I do think as the DC as DC Films tries to rebuild its film universe, there may be a bit of an overlap with the CW that they won't want to share the characters that might be a bit awkward when you've got a character like Superman performing incredibly well on CW. 
But I do think that's a great question. It's always been a bit of a murky area in what say, what kind of say DC Films has over the CW. And now that Warner Brothers is still, there's, they will still own is 10% or some kind of share of it. So they will be able to provide content, but it's will they be willing to provide that DC content going forward remains to be seen. Yeah, and it'd be advantageous if Nexstar is the company that is going to have majority ownership. I doubt that they want to completely get rid of superhero television on the DC label, on the CW. If we're going to be making the network profitable, which it hasn't been in its entire 16-year existence, though that was purposeful. I know people were like, haha, but no, it's like purposefully was not making money. Um, if we're going to write the ship, I do think that they have to continue to um, get known IP. And the way that they've been doing that has been through DC. Um, so I, I think we're, we're cool when it comes to DC TV on the CW. As far as the Airverse though, that could be, you know, done, done by the time the flash is over. Yeah, I could see like, we've, we've talked about these kind of like second generation Arrowverse shows like Superman at Lois with a bigger budget to pretend they don't exist in the Arrowverse, even though they are the Arrowverse versions of the characters. I could see them now trying to do that with maybe a character who's never appeared in an Arrowverse show before and bring them into this shared universe. And yes, it is technically Arrowverse, but we're not going to talk about that. I could definitely see them trying to like graduate the shows in bigger budget, better written, more condensed episode count. And yes, it's part of the universe, but it won't acknowledge that it's part of the universe. Kind of like Stargirl's adjacent to it. Fingers crossed Stargirl gets a fourth season, we'll wait and say. But I do think that these bigger budget uh, next generation Arrowverse shows could be what you'll see next as they try to distance themselves from the... I don't want to say cheaper, but yeah, the cheaper shows of days gone by. That's that's true. I agree with that. The other thing, so if we get less DC shows, like less superhero shows, um, brace for sitcoms because uh, that's that's coming back to the CW, which is interesting considering the fact that they basically axed a lot of their sitcom lineup when. Um, the CW was created to have WB and UPN. So the fact that we're like nearly two decades into it and we're circling back uh, to sitcoms is interesting. I don't want to be scared. I think that the CW could do comedy if done right. I mean, maybe take notes from Dynasty, uh, but we'll see. Guys, I'm so excited. You know, I love sitcoms and ugh, I loved the past sitcoms from like the CW, WB era and like, get back to the Friday night sitcom block. That would be iconic. <laughs> and get I'm Liz in for a sitcom. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, great. That'd be amazing. I, I'm excited for the sitcom era, but I do wonder if that boat's come and gone. Sitcoms, you rarely see a really successful sitcom on television anymore. Even Netflix tried it and it didn't work out that well. Can the CW do it? I mean, I'm really excited to see if they can make it work, but it definitely feels like they're going full-blown network TV now and sitcoms are a part of that. I wonder if they would go um, multicam or single cam or mm. both. I'd like mm. to see both. I feel like that's like, that could be an episode all its own to <laughs> unpack. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I just kind of want to study what they had previously to see what worked. I think... Um, if we do sitcoms, it'll be interesting to see what demographic, like age demographics they choose or whether they're going to do a, a broad um, choice because the CW was known for its teen television and we're clearly moving away from that, like very fast. 
so I'm thinking young adults and then perhaps mom and pop sitcoms, which yeah, like should family. be interesting. Yeah. Family which could be interesting. I mean, Reba was great. Perhaps we'll return to that era. But you never know. Abbott Elementary is the biggest comedy series on television right now. And we have yet to see its influence and impact on like mm-hmm. what networks will order. And I feel like we're going to start seeing a few copycats. So I think they're in this transition period. They could be looking like, okay, what's working on the other networks? And I mean, Abbott Elementary is a great place to start. <laughs> like copy off their homework. <laughs> I could definitely see them giving it a go now. Um, it's very interesting to me that they're trying to, we, we said that net, or that schedule looks more networky than any of the other previous ones. And it's because a lot of their franchise hits aren't there anymore. Yes, some of them have ended, but a lot of them were canceled. And it just feels unusual. Sitcoms on Friday nights could absolutely work if that's what they're trying to do. But this is the same network that canceled shows that we're getting 600,000 viewers to keep ones that were getting 100,000 viewers. The ratings have been following year by year. Will a sitcom bring the numbers up? If there's promotion, we're constantly talking about um, promo and the fact that CW doesn't do it. Um, I think in this new era, depending on you know how well they get on their legs and start running, it'll be really interesting to see CW stars on talk shows, to see CW commercials um, playing everywhere. I mean, because they they always front load at the beginning when a show drops. And then these the it peters out. You never see them. Um, oh, one second. Sarah has a great question. She wants to know whether or not uh, the CW would have an animated show. And if we're doing sitcoms, you could do an animated sitcom. Yeah. Or um, oh, I'd like an animated spinoff of something, um, of a show that would work for it. Legends of Tomorrow would be great. Yeah, we, we did the Bebo Saves Christmas special, which was totally animated at Christmas. But... The Arrowverse has also done a few animated spin-offs like Vixen in the past, and I think they aired on CW Seed. So I would think that that's a good place to start. Some of the best DC shows of all time are animated, and I have no problem saying that. Wouldn't it be cool if maybe one of them aired on CW? Like, I don't know why Fox has this particular market cornered for broadcasts. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I know other networks have probably tried and failed, but somehow like Fox's animation block has been like so solid for what 30 years more than 30 years with simpsons like i feel like in this era they should try anything and see what sticks throw it all onto the wall and see what lands and they have you're right they have like the properties to pull from and people will tune in i think this is like you know i'm sad about like the fact that this era is like the previous era is done but we are in an exciting time I do know that, of course, some fans who are turning into network are going to jump ship. That's just what happens when like a, a network decides to pivot. Um, and but I'm still, you know, I'm excited for this era, even if I'm upset about my shows. Um, so animated CW show, I'm here for. Depending, like if the plot is good. Yeah. Um, if. It would be a great way to make a sequel to Legends of Tomorrow. I'm going to keep saying that, but I think a live action show would be better. But because they have the DC <laughs> umbrella, they have the DC umbrella, why not pull from it and make a DC animated series? Why not make it an animated comedy? The CW has many, many faces and everybody still thinks it's teen drama and we've moved away from that. I get they're trying to move back into maybe teenager college drama as they mature, but 
they've a lot of things to work with. So maybe throwing animation into the mix would be a good idea. That's going to be added to my hashtag Save Legends of Tomorrow tweets from now on. Like TV movie or animated show, we would okay. take a continuation. Solid plan A and solid plan B. Yeah. I know. <laughs> it could happen. Yes. Okay, so we're going to end this pod with three toasts since the episode is mostly a roast. Um, and a lot, a lot of like, let's come to talk about the reality of what's happening here. Um, but to kick it off, read. Tell us about Miss Cammy in Riverdale. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I caught up on Riverdale last night, everybody. And I know we're kind of like conflicted about this season, <laughs> but Camila Mendez did a cover of Toxic by Britney Spears that was so good that I was like, do I like season six now? I don't know. It like fixed every <laughs> problem that I've had with the show. Like it was still like they did so much work to like cover the lack of the production value. Like those weird spider webs behind her were a, a choice. They were a choice, um, but she was incredible. The dancing was amazing. And it like it perfectly soundtracked the ending montage. I don't know. I loved it. It was obsessed. And I commend you, Sabrina, for keeping that a secret for me because I had no idea that it was coming. And Cammy, love you. It was amazing. <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna put it in the group chat, and I was like, "Wait, no, it's toxic." Like, <laughs> you, like, because you, like, I knew you were gonna have strong opinions. But I wasn't sure which way. But when she was like the the um, I think it's like a big like light cerulean light or something turquoise. I can't. Yeah, tell they colors. were like they were like green and red, which again was a decision. But there was a lot of like subtext with her like black widow thing and toxic. It was the perfect choice. I will say, probably my least favorite Britney Spears single, just because it's so like overly it's become her signature song and it's overplayed and people it's like the local favorite like people who aren't her fan like love toxic and i'm like oh my god okay toxic like it's a great song grammy winner amazing but it's not my favorite but just to see it like honored in that way for a perfect moment in the perfect perfect campy vibe she sounded looked and did everything amazing i loved it yeah, Cammy ate. And I love like the shock <laughs> of the crowd. Like and like and how much fun KJ and Lily were have having reacting to her. KJ was not he broke character in that moment. Yeah, he, he was did. not Archie, he was KJ. <laughs> I screamed <laughs> when I saw that. <laughs> he was so excited. Oh my god. I, I really love that moment. Um it's a highlight of of season six. And I hope that there are like little sprinklings of moments akin to that in the rest of the season because I think it'll save it a lot. Not enough to get it over a D, but <laughs> <laughs> we just want a passing grade. <laughs> yes. Um, but uh, I'm going to take a moment, and this is my toast. I'm going to uplift Megan Tandy. Um, I think, of course, all of the actors and actresses who have had shows that were canceled have been trying to soothe their fan bases and um, cheerleading all their efforts to save the show and, and, and spotlighting them. Um, but I wanted to highlight Megan because she is often taking the time to talk about everyone having a seat at the table and championing the diversity and the inclusivity of Batwoman. And um, in one of our tweets where we were talking about how she would have killed it as Catwoman, she took the time to talk to a fan who was upset about um, Kate Kane no longer being Batwoman. And I know that is a, an exhausting discussion for a lot of Ryan Wilder stands, 
Um, and it was exhausting to read for me, to be honest. But the fact that she took a moment to try to see the perspective of a fan who was upset and who's wanted Kate Kane to come back as Batwoman in some capacity, whether in that show or another DC property, I thought that was stellar. She did not have to do that. She did not have to do it with the grace and the kindness that she did. Um, and I think that was exemplary as being an ambassador for the show that you are on and that you love and that you pour so much of your heart into. Um, and it made me smile, honestly. It was a, a great interaction, even if she couldn't soothe that fan, that's okay, you can't always soothe the fan. But to see an actress take the time like that, um, it warmed my heart. It was a very testful response. And I feel like she's always like flown the flag for Batwoman and kind of always try to understand people's perspectives about it because the show did generate a lot of discussion throughout its time on the air but just to, to, I, I see I was tagged in it as well I seen the tags and just to, to get the updates about or like such a positive statement because not every fan wants to understand what they're saying but she did take the time to explain it and I thought she explained it very very well yeah shout out to Megan uh, like whatever projects that you have coming up I will be there you know, we will champion you forever. You are Sophie Moore. You would have been our Catwoman, and I will still fight for that in some capacity because I would love to see it. Um, and just thank you for being an amazing human being who always takes the time for the fans. We stand. We do stand. I don't know her, but I stand. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of standing, so our last um, toast is... I guess I'm going to get the bouquet ready, you guys. Like, I don't know what flowers are going to be in it, but you know what? Tasteful flowers to lay on the grave of the golden era of the CW that we were a part of because it is over. All you have to do is look at the fall schedule to know that we are we are headed in a different direction. Wipe that. Um, without a doubt. And I want to, no matter how many people have dragged the CW over the years, and that's not to say it hasn't been deserved, mm -hmm. I will say that um, most of pop culture like the, that's been like influenced, that's the CW's work. Like I know people kind of forget cause like I aged out of like these shows like, yeah, you did. But you were talking about the vampire diaries. You were talking about Gossip Girl. You like, I don't know a lot of you were supernatural fans and you were loud. Um, sometimes obnoxiously loud if we're gonna be honest. Um, and uh, I just think that even with Riverdale, you know, they have so, the CW has so many tentpoles that have influenced teen television and television in general, and people need to respect them more. Um, even as we head into this new era, especially because Michael, you were the main one always talking about how the reason we have the superhero TV that we do is because of the CW. Yeah, I, I feel like it, it technically revamped that genre as a whole. Even today, you still rarely see superhero shows on network television. It's because the CW brought them back. They made them work. A lot of other networks tried it and failed. The biggest example, and I don't want to use the word failed, but Supergirl on CBS, for example, it was very successful, but the numbers were dropping as it went on. So it made sense to move it over to the CW where it would, know, where it knew it would have a much longer life. And it did. It ran for six seasons. Not to hijack this and talk about Legends of Tomorrow and Batwoman again. It just feels like as we're bidding farewell to those shows, we're bidding farewell to an era as well. Because the CW was its own brand for so long. It, it started as teen dramas, must-see Gossip Girl, must-see Vampire Diaries. And then it evolved into a superhero network, must-see Arrow, must-see Flash, must-see Supergirl, must-see Legends, must-see Batwoman. And now it feels like the evolution has begun again. 
this 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 is kind of like what it what it would have been like to be part of that merger when uh, all the WB and UPN stuff moved over to the CW and a lot of it didn't. It kind of feels like we're doing that again. It all begins again, and who knows? The, the new schedule is very different. Yes, there's a lot of franchise properties, but the brands and the kinds of shows we're getting are quite different. So it does, it feels like as one new era starts, another one has ended. So I guess, I think we all just wanted to take this opportunity to pay tribute to the CW of what was. Yes, a lot of it should still be on the new schedule, let's not lie. But it feels like the end of an era and I don't want this new one to begin without acknowledging it. It's so bittersweet. And thinking back to like the beginnings, you think that of that as the golden era because it had like those influential shows that we've been mentioning but when you look at the schedule now, the absence of this particular collection of programming, it's really felt. And no matter which way you slice it, this network has always made shows that people love. And that's why you see people going to bat on Twitter with hashtags. They don't want to see these shows end. And it hurts when they do. And even if they don't ever come back, even if they do, it's still in this moment is just weird to be a fan of this network to look at the schedule and not recognize it to to see that a certain era that we got comfortable in that we like relied on that we expected to always come back that safety net has just kind of been pulling out from under us and we're just kind of like okay we're here now open to it kind of but it's still you got to lift up the class of 22 because they were some of the, the, the best shows that I think the network has ever had, even though we're not a fan of all of them. Like just look at the, these shows and the fandoms that they created. Like you can't deny that you can't divorce any of that from this conversation and this particular lifting up of an era. It's hard to see this light go out. It is, which I guess that means we have a fourth toast. So our last one, to the fans Um, you have brought so much joy and art and creativity to the shows that you loved Um, I think the reason why the CW shows have thrived the way they have is because of you guys and yes obviously the teams behind them that's a given but um, it says something you know when a fan base will fight that hard to keep you, um, to try to get your show to be moved to another network or to another streamer. Um, so if obviously everyone is upset, um, but it was worth your time to watch. It was worth your time to put your heart into everything you created for these shows. It was worth your time to create the friendships that you had have had along the way to stand the actors and actresses um, that you've adored. I know for some of you, this might've been your entry into the entertainment industry. Perhaps the CW has grown um, new writers, whether they're for TV or they're for entertainment um, or people who wanna produce or people who wanna direct or, or show run um, because you fell in love with these shows. And I think that should be applauded. So even though we're lay, laying like the flowers down on this era of the CW, um, it'll be forever, you know? Um, they can't take how you felt about these shows away. And I think that's what's most important. And look, even if people haven't watched these shows that were canceled, it's still worth, they're still worth watching. I've seen a lot of like, oh, what's the point now? They got canceled. And it's like, no, like there's still four, five, even three seasons of engaging storytelling to watch. And even, I'm sorry, but a cliffhanger 
it's a serve. Like, I love a cliffhanger sometimes. It's like, ugh, you can just, you love to feel something and a cliffhanger makes you feel something. And it sucks to end on a cliffhanger, but you know, still a serve. So they're still worth engaging with. Don't just like completely mm-hmm. ignore these shows because they were canceled. Cancellation isn't, it doesn't mean anything about the quality. And we know that about these shows. That's true. And to piggyback off of that, now that they've been canceled, they're fully yours now. Like you can do whatever you want to, to give them the proper endings that they deserved. Um, so if you're a fanfic writer, go crazy with your fix it fic. If you're a fan artist, you know, create that comic that you've always wanted to see or create that ending image that you've always wanted to see. Don't give up on the art that you create for the fandoms that you love. Um, because it's needed and you're needed and the love that you've given into fandom has always been appreciated. Uh, so with that, we're going to end. I'm getting a little like emotional now. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, that concludes our green table talk. Uh, I avoid the spiral. I'm Sabrina. I'm Michael. And I'm Reed. We will see you guys um, the Monday after next. <laughs> Uh, and we'll, we'll be back then to talk more CW ridiculousness, nonsense, and uh, the All-American finales. I'll, I'll be up to date, y'all. I promise. All right, bye. Bye, guys.